Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and I am your host today as we experience NIMSY Live, where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered or guests that we should reach out to for future episodes. If you haven't already done so, uh, make sure that you are subscribed to NIMSY Insights or following us here on LinkedIn. Uh, if you are subscribed, then you're going to be one of the first people to know when we go live or we schedule new events like this or when we publish new research at nimsy.com. Really quickly before we get into it, I just wanted to plug an upcoming event tomorrow if you guys aren't already signed up for it. We have a great event tomorrow on... Um, it's, it's in our Should I Stay or Should I Go series. And if you go over to the NIMSY Insights uh, LinkedIn page... You can find it under our events. It is going to be onboarding, sales talent, and prospecting. And we're going to be hosting our friend from Lingoport with Mr. Adam Asnes over there. So if you're not already signed up for that, make sure that you can go sign up for that. And we will see you tomorrow. A little bit about this platform. We're coming to you live on LinkedIn today. And if you leave your questions and comments in the commenting function in LinkedIn, then we'll bring them up on screen and we'll make sure that we can address those. So any comments or questions you have, put them in the chat and we will address those with our guests today. Which, by the way, without further ado, I'll get right into it, introducing our topic today. Salespeople working in translation usually have a hard time keeping track of all that happens with customers, so they become very transactional. In the meantime, account and project managers lead recurring sales, but given the different approaches that sales and project management demand, they are often underperforming. Business management systems like Plunet, XDRF, or LBS Suite have some CRM functionality, but nothing like HubSpot, Salesforce, Pipedrive, Zoho, or any of your other favorite CRMs that you've heard of out there. Why is it so hard to use and introduce these tools? Is it really just a matter of integration? What are the main gaps? This conversation is going to be with my colleague, Istvan Lengel of Be Lazy Fame, and we are going to address just these things. As Istvan is the founder of Be Lazy. At Be Lazy, they work to identify and bridge gaps that create inefficiencies in the language services industry. The philosophy is that salespeople should be able to work with tools that facilitate follow-up automation, automated email and call logging, and pipeline management. And Be Lazy is working to connect the many tools available in our industry to help organizations make the tools work for them rather than you working for the tools. Ishvan, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Tucker, thank you very much for having me here. Hi. Yeah. I, you know, before we, before we get started here, um, and I, I've got a, a couple of questions to ask you about CRMs and LSPs and the relationship between the two. Before we get started, I think it would be beneficial for you to explain to the audience, what is Be Lazy? And what do, what do you guys do over there? Okay, like Be Lazy is basically trying to create an interconnected translation industry. So that's our idea. If you like it, uh, we are basically a unification platform where we are 
trying to address different use cases that are affecting the translation supply chain. So while I will be mostly talking today about uh, LSPs, we are also working with enterprises. We are working uh, with uh, multilingual vendors and single language vendors. We are working also with, with translators to some extent. Basically, the idea is that uh, like we can only be like really future proof as an industry if we cut a lot of these uh, repetitive tasks out there that are preventing uh, the productivity. There is the price pressure. There is a lot of things happening, time pressure. And unfortunately, still today, a lot of the work goes into, into very administrative tasks instead of generating value. Right. And like we are trying to, to, to bridge these gaps and remove these inefficiencies. If you like by integration, so we are kind of a middleware platform and we have like three different use cases at the moment that we are addressing. So I mean, you middleware, essentially, you, you, you build connections between technologies and in integrate integrations. And if I can pull up the, the NIMSI Insights language technology roadmap that we, or landscape that we publish every yeah. year, um, what we're looking at right here is a section on integrators right here. I, I think yeah, there's- top right corner. Yeah, top right corner. And if, if, if y'all aren't familiar with the, the um, technology landscape, I'll put a link to that over in the LinkedIn. I'll copy it and put it over in the LinkedIn. You guys can go check that out yourselves. But essentially, like my main takeaway when we do this every year is just there are so many different technologies out there that we use on a daily basis in the language services business industry. And these integrators, this integrator um, functionality right here, this is helping them talk to each other and helping kind of bring some order to the chaos or some automation, I should say. So you're not having to go back and forth between different platforms. Yeah, there is even something more, which is not only like a variety of tools, but individual tools are used in a variety of ways as well. Right. It, it, well, exactly. Because no, no two workflows. <laughs> exactly. And, and no two workflows are the same in our industry. Exactly. And even if you're using the same tools, translating the same content, people use tools in completely different ways. So it's, it's the wild west out there. <laughs> you know, this is, this is actually something that, that led me to, uh, that is bridging our, our topic here, because the thing is that everybody knows that the project management automation is a complicated matter because of the many ways of managing projects, you know, semi automatable stuff and things like that. Um, so that's something that when we started, we were kind of like aware that this is not going to be plain sailing. Uh, but then the other two use cases that I was talking about earlier, one is uh, like extracting uh, projects from emails, which is more related. Mm -hmm. uh, the other is the is the CRM integrations with right. uh, business management systems. I mean, I did not expect this to be as complicated as it turned out. So I'm here to share some of the uh, experience that we gathered, like once we created something and, you know, you start showing it to people and then you realize that you just opened uh, a box of warm. <laughs> so, so what were some of the things let's get right into it. We're talking about CRMs, which of course stands for custom customer relationship management software. Um, and let's get right into it as, as you were developing these CRM 
integrations, uh, which are available through Be Lazy Now. What were some of the things that stood out to you about how LSPs are using CRMs? And this is this conversation today for for those listening is probably going to be more focused towards the LSP side because client side doesn't use CRMs; they're not selling to anybody necessarily. But um, what are some of the things that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I th I think it there is like like uh, quite a few aspects in which people differ, not only in how they are using systems, but also in what they want to achieve mm. um, and what they what they find to be important to be able to um, to handle in a CRM. I mean, I think uh, as a starting point, there is only one agreement, and that is that sales uh, and sales follow ups and sales related activities should be done in the CRM. This is something that I've not seen any single company uh, going against sure. so far, at least not, not those that are coming to us. Well, <laughs> uh, otherwise, why have a CRM? <laughs> yes, <Right>? exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there was also like a um, kind of an agreement. And this is also if you if you read the comments to the LinkedIn chat, there is an agreement that the CRM that exists in the business management systems, like you mentioned, Plunet, XTRF, uh, they have like the, the CRM approach, and there is also uh, Protemos and some others, LBS, uh, like they are not on par right. with the capabilities well, of because, a large integratable system. Yeah, because it's not their primary function, right? Exactly. Like they, they have CRM functionality in there that is going to allow you to manage your customer relationship a little bit better. It's better than nothing, but it wasn't built for that. It's a secondary functionality. But and this is something that is super important. What's the primary function right. of a system? Right. Because simply because there is like primary and secondary functions in every system, simply because every system has customers that want to use as few systems as possible, there is a lot of duplication of capabilities. And in the case of, of um, the CRM systems, I mean, obviously there is like the tasks that is a duplication that exists in one or the other. Uh, and creating, for example, the, uh, the the quotations, like document creation, that is also something that is, I'm not sure where it fits because there is also a genre of, of, of tools that, that does this. Uh, so basically the complication of all the, all the use cases for integrations usually comes from the fact that there is more than one way to skin a cat. There is like like more than one uh, like combination of what functionality the tool, the two tools that you want to integrate it overlap in and where you want to use certain functionality and where you want to use the other functionality. I mean, if I go back for a second into the process uh, automation, a typical thing is where do you select a translator? I mean, in most of the translation tools and in the business management systems and everywhere you can select a translator. And the question is, where do you select the translator and how do you learn about where the translator was selected? And very similar things were also here. Like, where do you create the quote document? That is a, a super important uh, aspect, I think, that what I've seen. And this is different uh, for every company. Every, everyone has their own ways. So how do you, as a middleware developer, how do you develop something that's going to be able to add value to everybody else um or to, to everybody because everyone's using it in different ways or is that exactly the problem that you're trying to solve with these integrations 
It's exactly the problem, but I must admit that uh, when we first, like the initial idea came actually from the guys at BlueNet. Mm -hmm. uh, like they were saying like, everybody's looking for a HubSpot integration. And I went to their summit on this year, but last year in 2022, and uh, Global Lingo was, uh, was, was showing a, an integration with HubSpot that they integrated their BlueNet with HubSpot. And then like if everybody else is looking for this, I was thinking like, okay, let's go for it. Let's, uh, let's aim for it. And then within like seven, eight months of development, we managed to, to create a framework uh, for, for the CRM integration. Uh, but actually our understanding at that point was very different, especially coming from being a software vendor, because obviously we as a software vendor also use CRM. We happen to use sure. PipeDrive. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but we are using it for very different reasons and with very different amount of, uh, of quotes, because obviously if we close, I don't know, five new, uh, monthly customers, we're okay with that. Right. Uh, whereas if you have projects in first question is which translation projects do you put there in the, in the pipeline? Like if you've got a, a good list, a long list there, and you are using cards with the cards, you probably want to use less of those cards than if you are using, for example, lists, and that's a matter of what you see on the screen and it already has an impact on what you would like to see there. Right. So regarding this, I think that the first question that we had was whether it's just the quotes and the second, uh, or it's also the, the, the actual projects that are coming straight into, into production, which a lot of customers have. And then of course, this is raising the, the question, what is a quote good for? Hmm. So well, the finding with the, yeah, go ahead. I would say to answer your rhetorical question, right? I mean, it, it depends on how we define quote, right? Because uh, I mean, this, this is where, where it gets into it, uh, because people use quoting and purchase orders and sales orders. And, you know, I've worked at organizations where there was a definite difference between a quote and a sales order. Those were two very different things and you needed both of them. And then I've worked at other companies where you ask, well, how do I create a sales order? And they say, what's a sales order, right? So mm -hmm. it, 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 def it depends upon the process, right? But I, I would make the argument that, I mean, a CRM, I know a lot of people use it for this. And so, for example, I have, we have two different CRMs here at Nimsy Insights. We have a CRM for Nimsy. And we use Zoho. We also use Zoho, but we have a completely different instance for the team over at Multilingual Magazine. And Multilingual is using the CRM to send quotes and invoices. I mean, they're using it for all of that, whereas Nimsy uses a completely different system for that. Same CRM, same company, same, I mean, same management team, but two completely different workflows. Absolutely. And then you, you are coming into the invoices, which is actually one of the most complicated thing, uh, between the different, uh, jurisdictions. Mm. Like there are also many countries here in Europe that you would not be able to use a CRM for invoicing because it's not allowed legally. I wouldn't even think about that. Yeah. Then you get into compliance issues. <laughs> I, I wanted to read, you mentioned in the comments here. Not with quotes, though. 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you mentioned in the comments, Joshua, before we even got started, Joshua Velasquez had a great comment uh, that he left before this live stream even started. He says, uh, TBMS is, um, TB translation business management systems is what TBMS stands for. TBMSs are terrible CRM systems. A decent CRM will have at least the following one web analytics and two, a highly granular task management system. Three condition based automations to engage with prospects and cust customers smartly Four, a marketing module for newsletters, email drip campaigns and broadcasts five marketing collateral repository. From my experience, Zoho CRM Plus and HubSpot are the best ones, but the former is the best considering its excellent price point. Now the idea of pulling data in, from the TBMS to the CRM and vice versa looks pretty darn good. I look forward to this conversation. Thank you, and thank you for that, Joshua. Uh, Ishvan, you and I were just talking about that mm -hmm. comment um, prior to the show starting. Any, anything to add to that? I think he does a pretty darn good job of summing up what a CRM I, is. I, I actually liked the approach that he has taken here. Mm -hmm. um, it was like it was very interesting that he has taken the marketing part uh, into the CRM, which is a, a, a very sim, very important part. Yep. Given that, uh, like those leads that you are marketing to, they don't need to make it into your translation business management system. What is the value there? Um, True. Mostly, you will not quote them, or uh, I mean, for a quote, something like a request must come in from somewhere. I mean, you have something to base your quotes on. Um, and that is the preliminary stage uh, to that. Um, and then the question is like, what is the point where you are involving a translation business management system? And like the answer is mostly the first quote, uh, but you may not even want to do that for the first quote. It's, it's up right. to you. Um, and then of course, very soon we get to the point of weighted word counts. Yeah, talk to me about weighted word counts. Oh, I love them. Talk to me about um, weighted word counts. And, you know, I'm not going to go into I'm sorry, if you're listening and you're you're thinking, what is a weighted word count? Uh, I'll refer you to other material that's published online. I don't want to get into defining weighted word counts with you today. But for, the, for those of us that know what weighted word counts are and use them, like, how do those factor into it? The problem with the weighted word count is that um, it creates multiple price lines. And the other thing is that you need to know something more about the customer. So weighted word count is always produced by a translation management system or a, at least a CAT tool here. Um, so it's never produced either by the business management system or translation business management system as just called it, uh, nor the, the CRM. But this underlying data, like how many 100% matches, how many 95 uh, to 99% matches, how many lost segments whatsoever, is the thing that is, after all, de defining the price. Sure. And furthermore, you may even have like uh, a setup where, for example, this price definition is different for translation as it is for review. So you may get a, a situation where you are giving like discounts on the 100% matches and the, and the high fuzzy matches. Uh, but for the review, I mean, the reviewer has to read it through anyways and, right. and uh, ensure you might only just exclude a bit, which is, let's say, the locked segments. Um, and the thing is that the pricing is not given by the, the TMS or CAT tool, 
but it's always the word count that is given by uh, these systems. Mm -hmm. So in order to get to an automation, somehow you need to drive these systems as well. Okay. And the only thing that matters here, I mean, there are two things that matter here. First of all, that the, the source document that you got from the customer, if you are working with, uh, with documents, I mean, you not, you may not always work with documents, but suppose that you are working with documents that needs to be like correctly prepared, uh, which in many cases don't need any preparation, but sometimes you have, you know, only translate the red text or these right, yeah. fantastic things. Uh, and the other thing is, um, that you also need to have, uh, your TMs translation memories correctly selected, right? Uh, that also and complicates. These are all things that a TBMS, a you know, a business translation business management system does pretty darn well, right? Yes. At least in theory. Right? I mean, not the source preparation. No, no, sure. Uh, sure right. But I'm talking about yeah. like managing all of the other components that you were mentioning. Exactly. So it's, a, it's I think it's a safe, like if somebody is using a, a business management system, it's a safe uh, assumption to make that these are the systems that are able to drive the TMSs or CAT tools mm -hmm. in order to, to get back like the right word count. Mm -hmm. And yep. then these systems also have like a good um, approach to pricing. So they are also able to store different price lists for the different customers. Uh, and probably there is an, there is a way for you to, to select the right price list. So therefore I think that for creating quotes, uh, the business management systems are usually pretty safe. Mm -hmm. So, but then you need to be in there. Right. Right. Let, let, let's go back to the TMS and I just, before I forget, I want to bring this up on screen. Um, which you provided to me right before we started here. So what, what we're for those of you that are listening and can't see the screen, what we were looking at here is kind of a, an integration diagram, a workflow diagram. I'm not really sure what you would call this, but it shows how the different tools work together from client portal, vendor portal, TMS, email submission, uh, website forms, you know, all of these different capture mechanisms. Um, what Be Lazy does, um, the APIs with the business management systems, and how it quotes and gets it into the CRM, right? So this is essentially what the integrators are doing, right? They're taking all of this inf different information from all of these different places, and everybody's going to be doing this differently, right? Not everybody has a vendor portal, right? Not everybody um, uses website forms, but essentially taking all of this going through the be lazy integrators and then putting them into CRM and what, what CRMs are you supporting currently over at be lazy? At the moment, we only do HubSpot, but that is because this is the first one. So yep. what we've built is like a, a standard, this is our philosophy that we always build, uh, abstract systems that are able to add other, uh, CRMs and even other business management systems, uh, with at a limited cost. So like yeah. right now we, we stand at like two weeks of development for a new CRM, which nice. is pretty much okay. Over time, this is becoming easier on the one hand and more complicated on the other hand. So usually we stay around the same level of, um, of, of development need because as functionality expands in the system and we are addressing more and more use cases, obviously the integrations become 
more complicated. Mm. And as time uh, goes, we are also like uh, able to to abstract away more of the functionality there. So we started just with HubSpot in order to understand how that works. And actually most interest came for HubSpot, mm -hmm. but we are very open to, to do other things as well. Yeah, it's a very popular TMS um, or not TMS, sorry, CMS with, with LSPs out there. What are some of the things that you found? How do, how do I phrase this? What are some of the things as you're working on building these integrations and you know engaging with LSPs, um, engaging with the CRM, um, support, what are some of the things that you found LSPs are doing that they shouldn't be doing or vice versa that, you know, they're, what are some of the most common mistakes to be made? I'm trying to put a positive spin on this. How are LSPs screwing up their usage of CRMs? I mean, that's the, the title of this. So does the translation industry suck at using a CRM? Why does the translation industry suck and how? I think the biggest mistake is not using it. So okay, uh, yeah. what I've seen is that because of the complexity and uh, service companies have this approach of client mandates. If the client wants you to do it, you find it out how you do it. Yeah. Uh, if the client does not mandate that, then the majority of the companies, you know, give up early on improving their own stuff. Uh, and then they complain. Uh, that account managers are not following up on the quotes, so they are losing some of those quotes, then some of the customers leave. I mean, account managers uh, and project managers don't really do that because, first of all, for the account managers, like going into the business management system requires first a license, right? but it also requires uh, some kind of uh, a you know, habit how to do that right. Uh, the other issue is with the license managers. not to derail the conversation but the licenses they're not cheap right oh, not at all. And they're not cheap and if you have especially if you have a sales team with 10 people they're usually sold per person right and you know i, I mentioned we use zoho here at mz insights and zoho is very affordable and the reason we use zoho is because when when we founded this company six years ago whatever it was i looked at hubspot i wanted to use hubspot I liked HubSpot. Um, I've also looked at Salesforce and they were just way, way too expensive out there. Right. And, and this is one of the things that, that I've noticed at different LSPs that I've worked with is that they pay all of this money for these licenses, but they're not getting as much functionality out of their CRMs as they should be. They're not getting their money's worth essentially they're basically using it for a glorified tracking sheet of a glorified list of their customers they're not actually using the functionality fully no and but there is like a lot of metadata a lot of information that you can define yep that's going to trigger certain actions and through actions like the thing is that the, the customer journey is just as important in uh, in a service business that's as it is in a in a product business you need to make sure that uh, you understand the customers like uh, relationships with each other, like, like the different people at an organization, what they do, what are their approaches. You need to make sure that you keep in touch. Of course, uh, you need to identify what is a, a red flag. What is it that is going to trigger some kind of, you know, 
do you have a feeling how your customers are 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 uh, behaving when they are looking, for example, into other vendors? Do they change their perspectives? And like, I really don't want to go into sentiment analysis and these kind of things, but uh, definitely there are contracts. Contracts are up for renewal. You need to do certain sprint, uh, sprints before the contracts are over. So like, there is a lot of ways, I think, uh, to work with customers in an efficient way. And that doesn't mean that you have to pester them every week. Right. Well, and perhaps you're the wrong person to ask this, given what you do. But it's something that I think about quite a bit, especially when it comes to customer relationship management, which is how much automation is too much automation. Because I, I feel that customers, they want you to engage with them, but they hate automated emails, right? So where do you draw that line? I mean, with automated emails, there is like certain things that you can perfectly automate and there are things where you want to be in control. But I think the question of automation is always control and the loss of control. Okay. How does it affect you? Okay. Um, because what I've seen with a lot of people before is um, like what we are preaching is full automation. We are not preaching partial automation. Okay. Uh, partial, partial automation is mostly the, like this is in the project management approach. Partial automation is mostly this kind of an approach where you know, I'm using a script to skip, skip these seven steps. Yeah. No, like for project management, full automation makes perfect sense to me, right? Because the human touch isn't, isn't quite as important. Um, yeah. That's why I'm asking about with customer relationship but management. How I, much think with cust I mean, obviously with customer relationship uh, management, definitely the human, human touch is super important. Uh, regarding the automations here, I mean, it's data transfer. Data transfer is a different kind of automation, even if it's triggered automatically, from really automating customer relationships and putting them to forms and putting them to, to surveys and all of these things. Uh, I'm pers personally, I'm not a big fan of, of surveys and, uh, you know, en masse uh, interactions with the, with the customers, especially, I think, in the translation industry, it's, it's even more different because because usually the number of larger customers is a relatively small number yeah for it's for it's a lot of lsps going after the same the same fish in the ponds so the the clients that i talk to uh, on a regular basis they get so many emails from from lsps yeah yeah but it's all it's also something that um like if you're not talking to these like like household names but you're talking to let's say some uh, industrial producer here in, in, in Catalonia, where I am. Um, of course, that is also something that uh, there are only a few for every translation company. Hmm. Um, so keeping in touch with them is, I think, a, a per personal thing and can be a personal thing. But getting the system there, getting to understand like how much touch is enough, that's also something that you need to work on. Uh, besides that, there is a couple of things and I must admit that, uh, for example, I find it a, a very good practice to, to use follow-ups automatically. Uh, and now with all this generative, like, I'm sorry, I oh can't. God, it, 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 I thought I was going to be able to get through one podcast without talking about this. 
But oh, this seems go, cool. go, go, okay, go so for I, it. No, I, I'm no. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, I want to know. I want to know how how is uh, generative AI and um... put your meeting notes. Put your meeting notes into uh, like like a written form. Put that into your CRM, and then like get a, a follow up email on that. Yep. Yep. And you I, just say what is your objective with that. You get pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we, I don't know if you use this concept of, I forget which sales methodology it is. Maybe it's customer centric selling or one of those where they teach you how to write what's called a champion letter, right? Which is after you finish a call with the client, there's like a spe special format of a letter that, that exactly. you want to write. And, That's you know, generative AI is really good at that kind of stuff about summarizing meeting notes and putting it into a champion letter format. It works really well. It does. And like when it comes to any kind of like consultancy and translation after all is consultancy to some extent, um, I think that, that that really works. I mean, I've seen some of those emails going from Marek and others and uh, they are pretty good. Yeah. And the thing is that there is always like, there is always a state of the art. There is always, this is the entire amount of information that I know. And like most of the, the people are like, uh, not really willing to spend the time to put together all the knowledge into like one single document. But if you've got one single document, uh, then I believe that, that you're able to also close better because then uh, you can go back to the customer and just double check the validity of everything that has been said before, because of course they also change their mind and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not that this is going to be always a winning thing. They may involve other people. They may not tell you uh, what they've done in the meantime, but I personally find that if you are working with many customers, you also have the tendency, at least I do have the tendency to forget exactly what their problem is. And I got like a, you know, vague recollection of uh, things, but I need my notes in order to, to, to check exactly like what has been discussed and what has not been discussed. So sure. if I meet somebody at a conference, of course I can talk with them about their problem. I will remember as much, but I will not remember every little detail of it. Sure. And very often a deal is actually won or lost on a detail. All too often. <laughs> exactly. Um, are you familiar with, I'm just watching the chatter in chat over here and Angelo's taking it over. I love it. Um, someone asked about Zen Global. Have you worked with the Zen Global? Are you familiar? I with have this? not yet. All right. Well, uh, let me read. I would love to, get to know it. Yeah. Let me read the chat here. Right. So Cupra asked, isn't this what Zen Global Inc is doing right now? It's a CRM developed specifically for the translation industry. And Angelo, who's the, the founder over there, is responding, um, says, it's different. Zen is building a CRM. Be lazy, built a connector. For a connector, the underlying technology is the same. For Zen CRM, the technology is all new, and it's actually designed for the language industry. Um, moving That's exactly. forward, Yuka. Hi, Yuka. Says, Zen Global, I didn't know about your CRM. Um, and Angela says, there's a lot of value in sales training in our industry. Nimsy does a great job at that. Oh, thanks, Angela. Um, there is also a few fantastic coaches in our industry for implementation. Richard Brooks comes to mind, but there are a couple of others. Yeah, thanks for all the chatter over there in chat. Angelo, I think I'm going to have you on the show here pretty soon. If Melissa hasn't reached out to you, then then don't worry. She will. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to go through the chat there so that we get 
caught up with that. Um, Ishvan, um, how do we find out more about this? Is there a webinar coming up oh, where yeah, you can teach us? Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> you like that segue? Let me see. Yeah, yeah. Thank you when, for that. When is this webinar and how do I sign how up for you, it? How did you know? It's tomorrow. So tomorrow um, at 4 p.m. Central European time, uh, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight time, I guess. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe you could you could share that link that we happened to exchange earlier. Working on it. Oh, for the webinar? Yeah, for the webinar, yeah. Yep, I am going to add it right here. Join, join the Be Lazy webinar. Oh, I can't type and talk at the same time there. All right, guys, I just put it in the comments there. So if you're watching this live or listening to it, you can have a link to the webinar right there. Um, tomorrow, I... June 13th, 7 a.m. Pacific time. Yes. With, uh, be lazy. We will record it, don't worry. Nice. Uh, there is one thing, on the other hand, that I, I would also like to get um, maybe the, the audience's um, input here. Yes. One thing that comes up with quoting uh, and this is coming up more than once, is the variations, the alternative quoting. So when you are quoting the same document for, let's say, machine translation, post-editing, and you're quoting it for a full TEP cycle, where obviously the word counts are the same, but the prices are different. Um, so I'm just wondering if any of you are, are doing uh, something like this. And if you are doing that, then how do you do that? Like in which systems, what do you use? Because this is something that uh, comes up times and again. Uh, and the question is where to duplicate it, whether to duplicate it in the business management system, whether to duplicate it uh, in the, in the um, CRM, but for example, in HubSpot, you cannot by default, whether you use a third party tool like, like Pandadoc or Quill, Quiller or, or uh, Salesforce CPQ, or uh, also, like, how do you keep track of your pipeline? Because obviously, this is going. This is an either or. So if you if you win this deal for TEP, you're going to lose this deal for machine translation post editing, and vice versa. And then you can obviously lose the whole thing, uh, like both oh, of them. So I see what you're saying. <laughs> I was having a hard time understanding your question. So what you're saying is like you have a project, you have a client, and you have a project. Yeah. And you're giving them two different quotes. One is for human translation and one is for machine translation. And how do you manage those? Do you manage them as two separate deals? Do you manage? That's a good question. Yeah, I can't. That, this is very, very common here. So we've actually seen uh, some of those uh, yeah. instances where companies even had not just two, but four. And the point is like, what's your pipeline then? Is it like the average of the four? Four different opportunities in your pipeline, or do you just exactly. have? Well, I know what I would do if I was a salesperson. I'd put four different opportunities in the sales pipeline so that I can show my manager that my pipeline's full. <laughs> Amazing! It's just your closing rate is going to be a little. Wait, bit my close rate's going to suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, these are all just numbers. So the thing is that every number-based uh, approach, every KPI-based approach, I think only works in comparison. Because there is like right. so much, so many assumptions inside that you can only 
really compare like one period of time to another period of time. And that is the only thing that's really reliable because well, otherwise you can come up with any number and it's, it's going to be like very criticizable if you like. Yeah. And this is something like when it comes to like tracking KPIs, whether they're growth KPIs or marketing KPIs or production KPIs, it do doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it's a question we get asked a lot at Nimsy Insights, and we work with clients to help them define their KPI ecosystem and which KPIs are going to work for them. And a question we get asked a lot is like, what KPIs do other people track that I need to be tracking? And it's like, eh, it's, it's not the best question, right? Because what's important for another organization might not be important for you. And also they might manage something. They may like, how, how do you, what is profit margin? What is gross profit, right? Like, or what is a, an acceptable profit margin for an LSP? That, that's, that's a horrible question because first of all, how do you measure your profit margin? Like what expenses are you taking out of there? Um, how do you calculate it, right? What industry are you working in? Um, what's your average deal size? You know, what niche are you in? So if an LSP asked me, like, what's an acceptable profit margin? Eh, you know, anywhere from 30 to 70%, <laughs> give or take, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I, I think we got some answers here. Let's, let's see. Um, LinkedIn user says, you can have various quotes under single opportunities. Proposals to the client should not be finite and singular if you're providing solution selling. True. Um, so there's one answer for you, Ishvan. You can have, uh, different quotes under a single opportunity, but then I yeah, guess the how question, much is the opportunity? yeah, exactly. Then, then the question becomes, all right, how big is the opportunity? Do you, if the, if one quote is $1,000 and the other quote is $10,000, how, how, how big do you create that opportunity for? Once again, I will say for $10,000, right? Because <laughs> if I'm a salesperson, then I'm an optimist. Or aiming for it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Ishvan, any any other closing thoughts here before we start wrapping it up here? Um, I mean, I think we 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 touched a lot of lot of topics here, and oh, place, uh, yeah. I really appreciate having had this conversation with you. Yeah, I mean, um, me too. I, mean, I, I haven't talked to you for ages, so if, oh, if if for no other reason, it's just nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Even if it is in front of a live audience. Pleasure is mine. <laughs> yeah. So, so regarding all of this, it's kind of like uh, what I'm what I'm thinking or what I'm I'm hoping to see is that the industry will um, embrace a few tactics and a few tools uh, for for addressing these kind of challenges and making sure that I mean you only need to use these tools in order to help yourself sell more. Mm. That is the the, the only reason why somebody would use any of this, I mean, okay, a business management system is more for deliver uh, more reliably, but generally, uh, what I think is awaiting us is a good definition of the different, uh, like variations and also like coming up together, uh, with those people who really want to use these tools, coming up with the solutions together finding out like, like what works in this industry and what does not, because my experience is that there is always like a finite number of use cases that make sense. Uh, unfortunately, it's usually not very 
possible to to identify what is this finite number before yeah, really uh, getting there. How finite is finite? That's what I was thinking when you said that. <laughs> no, it's always. I think it's always finite. But uh, the point is that um, I mean, sometimes you have to go deeper in order to to elicit feedback. I mean, when it comes yeah. to product management, which is the same thing for integrations, not the same, but it's, it's similar to integrations than to build your own platforms. Uh, one of the things here is that that I always found that if you are not driving people with at least prototypes or something like that, they will not really be able to uh, express what they exactly need. But if you're doing a little bit of pivoting here, pivoting there, then you're able to elicit the right input and uh, and be able to build something that is going to work yep uh, and that's basically my closing thought here so i invite everybody for for tomorrow and also like if if you have a use case you just like to talk about it uh or if you have uh like an interest in in in, do, in having a, a better look at what we are doing please get in touch yeah well thank you so much it's fun Ladies and gentlemen, I put the um, links, a whole bunch of links into the comments for you. You got a link to the Be Lazy website. You got a link to the webinar for tomorrow. You got a link to the Nimsy Tech Atlas. So go check that out. This one, thank you so much. I'm going to take us out here. Ladies, gentlemen, chat, we are out of time for today. If you enjoyed this episode of Nimsy Live, then join us tomorrow when, no. Yes, tomorrow when we're doing the Should I Stay or Should I Grow event with uh, Adam Asnes from Lingaport. That should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it because I don't have to host it. It'll be my colleagues, Lucas and Inga, who are hosting that one. Uh, I appreciate our guest, Ishvan. I appreciate my colleagues here at MZ Insights doing all the hard work so I can have these fun conversations. I appreciate everybody in our industry who fills out NIMSI surveys and schedules briefings with our analysts so that we can include you in all of our research. And I appreciate you, the audience, for joining us live today. All of the questions, comments, and discussion happening in chat. And I look forward to next time. Cheers. Cheers.